0: We're back with episode six of the X media low podcast. My name's Eddie Williams. I'm your host. So glad you could join us. Hey, listen, the podcast is blowing up. We're doing great things. It's um, very, very popular right now. Um, Moving up the charts a little bit. Very excited about that. Um, We got a great show lineup for you today. Um, But first, if you wouldn't help me out, um, I really, really want you to review our show. So if you like the show, please go on to iTunes and leave a review. If you would, that would be fantastic. That will help more people find the show. If this is your first time listening, please don't leave a review. I want honest reviews, so take a listen. And if you like it, hey, head on. And if you don't like it, well, just don't tell anybody else. (laughs) Anyway, uh, our weird fact of the day. Um, Our weird fact is pretty disgusting. We're talking about the paleo diet. We're talking about saturated fat and kind of how it's, Uh, morphed into what people think it is now and why people don't eat it Um, but one of the more the biggest perpetrators of poor health mcdonald's has got an interesting fact for us they like to use carminic acid in our food uh, when you eat it Um, do you know that pink color of your beef um, and of your chicken nuggets when they're not cooked or your uh, strawberry shake well that's synthesized from cockneal beetles Yeah, beetles. It's crunched up beetles, and it gives it a brownish, reddish color. When it's diluted, it kind of turns pink. Um, It's used to dye foods, especially your meats, which is pretty bizarre because meats already should be pink when they're raw. (laughs) Not McDonald's meat, though. They collect it from all over the world. What's most disgusting to me is their all-North American sirloin burger, which is so disgusting to me because... They wanted to make it seem like it was healthy, so they narrowed it down to a continent, <laughs> which should tell you a lot about the rest of their meat, right? So if you eat the regular Quarter Pounder, that can't be classified as a North American sirloin because it's from all over the world. How disgusting is that? So enjoy the North American sirloin burger. It's probably part from Mexico, part from the uh, United States, part from, I don't know. Uh, Some other places, Canada, I don't know where they're getting it, but it's not from one cow. That's for certain. And it might not even be from 10 cows. So enjoy that. (laughs) Our guest is uh, Casey Thaler. He's going to jump on with us. Um, Casey is talking about the paleo movement, but more importantly, he's talking a little bit about saturated fat. Why eating fat doesn't make you fat, Um, saturated fats gotten a horrible rap over the years. And we talk about the origins of that and why you should start eating a little bit more uh, animal meat and coconut oil and avocado and why that why the uh, Ansel Keys and the um, FDA and some of the governmental um, powers that be may be quite wrong on uh, a lot of what they say about saturated fat and why we need it. So on with the show, Casey Failer is uh, has got more degrees and certifications than I can name, but I'll have it linked in the show notes. He's also a personal trainer, NASM Certified Fitness Nutrition Specialist. He also writes, which is really cool, for Paleo Magazine, The Paleo Diet, and Greatest. He also owns his own nutrition and fitness consulting company, Eat, Eat Clean, Train Clean, and he's the author of a few different books, including a bone broth cookbook that will be coming out in a few weeks. So, without further ado, let's jump directly into our conversation with Casey Thaler.
1: By the way, and of course, rats are exactly like humans, so I'm, I'm being facetious. They're obviously not. Um, but they aren't done on humans, and they're using these foods that are basically like these Purina-like mixes that are made in a lab, where it's like hydrogenated vegetable fats, casein, L-methionine, like vitamin mixes and mineral mixes, and like ground corn and d like soybean oil, all these things that nobody would ever eat. And then they're saying, oh, well, because this rat developed metabolic syndrome, all high-fat diets are bad. And it's totally ridiculous (laughs) when you look at it. Um, But most people don't do the due diligence. They don't go into the literature and read this stuff. Um, So people will just read the headline on the media outlets. And unfortunately, the media is – sort of irresponsible when it comes to a lot of nutrition stuff, because they're just trying to get clicks. They're just trying to get your attention. So they'll put like a really misleading headline and they're not dumb people. Like they're very aware of what they're doing. And people will just see the headline, or skim through the article, or read the bullet points, and they'll be like, "Oh, okay." And like, you know, they end up getting Alzheimer's, or diabetes, or metabolic syndrome, or all of the above, um, just because they're eating this like high carb, low nutrient diet day in and day out. Um, yeah. And it's you know, it's really making our country and the world at this point because obesity is not a an epidemic, it's a pandemic, meaning it's the entire world. Um, mm-hmm. It's making us very, very sick and very unhealthy. And people are sort of stuck in this paradigm, which it's cool to see people starting to come around to realize, oh, this isn't working. We need to do something else. And then they sort of do uh, dive into the literature a little bit. So yeah, yeah, I don't know if you want to jump in. That was <laughs> a
0: long answer. So. No, no, that, that was that was fantastic. Because, you know, uh, let's go back. To, you know, aside from the media, let's go back to the scientists. Mm-hmm. And you know, the mm-hmm. overly simplistic. So they're taking just fat in general as an entire macronutrient, and then just mm-hmm. saying fat in general is bad for you. But yet they're testing with you know vegetable oils, and uh, you know, they're not using the avocados and the coconut oils in the studies. Mm-hmm. Like, do you feel like? I mean, I feel like this. I mean, I'm going to ask you. Do you feel like there should be some sort of responsibility in the science community to actually test? Different types of fats? Does that make oh, sense? Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. And uh, people that aren't scientists, like, I'll, they have a very, I guess, the best way of saying it is they don't really know how it works. So, science, unfortunately, has become just as muddied uh, by economics and politics as, like, every other field has become, right? Mm-hmm. So, a lot of the times people will just need to get funding or, you know, they need to keep getting backing. So they'll, they'll purposely report certain results and do studies designed a certain way so they get the outcome they want. So that happens all the time in science, um, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But if you look in the literature, you can find other studies, right, that actually used humans, not rats, right? And it's a long-term study. It's 12 months. So They compared a low-fat diet with a high-fat diet in this particular study, and they found that the low-carb diet was actually more effective for weight loss and better for cardiovascular risk factor reduction than the low-fat diet. And what does that mean in non-science terms? It means people did better on a low-carb diet than a low-fat diet after 12 Mm -hmm. months. And it's on humans eating actual food that humans would eat. Not a rat study, or they're using like <laughs> Purina, whatever you know chow it is. So yeah. those people also saw um, greater decreases in fat mass, better ratio of uh, total uh, high density lipoprotein, which is HDL, better triglyceride levels, uh, greater increases in HDL cholesterol, which is the good cholesterol. Et cetera, etc. so yeah. and the other thing too when people make this oversimplification right is if all fat were bad, why would we be supplementing with omega-3 fatty acids on a regular basis? Why would everybody tell you to take fish oil? Um, mm-hmm. Why would every type of dietitian recommend extra virgin olive oil and other healthy fats? so exactly. it doesn't really make a lot of sense when you uh, actually get into the details so I you know yeah. I just, you know, it's the media is always going to be this way where they distort stuff and uh, they try to get clicks and headlines and that sort of <laughs> thing. But if people look into the actual science or take, you know, even like basic nutrition courses, they'll start to realize a lot of this stuff. So Whoa. I just I just try to do that as much as I can so people are aware.
0: No, and yeah, I'm sure most people that read your stuff are thankful for that. Now, let's talk about you know the differences between these types of fats. For those of people that might not know, um, mm-hmm. they're obviously feeding rats different things, and these fats are having different reactions. What are what are what's an example of good fat, and then maybe explain a little bit about some of these bad fats and the differences?
1: Oh, absolutely. So uh, the really simple way to remember it, and this is an oversimplification, but it'll kind of get my basic point across. If a man, like a chemist or somebody made it, it's probably not a great fat for you to be eating. Uh, and if it came from nature, it's probably generally all right. Meaning, like, if you're eating a processed food, the fats in there are probably not going to be so great for you. But if you're eating, like, you know, an avocado or olive oil or something that was pretty much just pulled from the ground and given to you, you're going to be okay. So, like, a trans fat would be, of course, the classic example of a bad fat that everybody recognizes as bad. Um Another bad fat would be any sort of inflammatory vegetable oil that's highly processed or refined, which unfortunately restaurants use all the time because they're mm-hmm. really, really cheap. Yeah. So they cook foods in like soybean oils, that sort of thing, that are all really, really inflammatory. Those are going to be bad for you. Uh, then the, the good fats also would extend into like coconut oil, um, that sort of thing. Uh, fish oil, obviously, if you're eating wild caught fish, is one of the best things you can do. So your body needs certain essential fats, and it doesn't need these other fats that unfortunately people are eating. So basically, people are eating a lot of the bad fats and none of the good fats, and they're getting really sick from that as a result. So, um, and you can get metabolic syndrome, I'm not sure if everybody knows what that is exactly, I can explain it, Um, but you can also get metabolic syndrome in the brain so you don't have to be like physically obese to be experiencing a lot of these problems and a lot of times it will manifest as uh depression anxiety uh slow thinking brain fog that kind of thing so a lot of times people aren't even aware that they're eating poorly until it's too late sometimes so
0: yeah and and let's talk about that a little bit because i mean even if you go into a whole foods if you actually are careful if you look at the a la carte the buffet most of that Mm -hmm. stuff's soybean oil is cooked in soybean oil um whole foods actually a some Whole Foods put Flour in their sushi rice, and so there's Absolutely. all these hidden um, oils and and grains and gluten's and stuff like that in the foods that we think are healthy. But so the normal person is living their life and they're looking at the you know the, the food pyramid and going okay, I need lots of grains and minimal fats, and they're you know they're eating like that and they think they're being healthy and they go on long runs or whatever they're doing, and then all of a sudden they're you know they've got mood swings, they got brain fog, they can't think, and then they go okay, and then they go to their their doctor. And their doctor will say, well, you know, maybe you should stay away from some of the fats, um, you know, your, maybe your high blood pressure or whatever. And it's, so it's almost, it's almost making it worse, right?
1: Yeah. And the funny thing there is like the classically overweight doctor, right? And I'll tell people <laughs> just to be 100% honest, like I've had plenty of doctors as clients. And actually a lot of doctors seek me out because I'm very sciencey and like nerdy and they kind of enjoy that. Um, and they sometimes live the most unhealthy lives you will ever, like you ever will hear about. And they don't get enough training in nutrition and they will tell you that, which is a little bit scary because people go and ask their doctor all the time, what should I be eating? And, uh, even if they did get a decent, uh, nutrition training, they, probably were using studies that weren't properly designed and that sort of thing. So, um, but to go back to your point about whole foods using oils and flowers and sort of their food, I have a funny story about that. Actually, my, um, my first business partner, this is like years ago. Uh, the paleo thing was like really under the radar at the time, not popular whatsoever. And, uh, she had this idea to do like a paleo bar at whole foods where she's like, wouldn't it be cool if like there was a section where it's just a paleo and like everything in there wasn't cooked in soybean oil and it wasn't using all these things because like you said, even if you go to get like chicken or something at whole foods that would otherwise be healthy, it's like cooked in these terrible oils or has like gluten in it or something like that. Right. And now whole foods actually does that. They have like a paleo section in some of the stores, which is so cool. And, uh, <laughs> But she should have trademarked it or something because she probably could be very rich off of that one. But um, yeah, it's it's hard for people to go out to eat and uh, find good food that's not cooked like this. And generally, I tell people like I, a lot of what I do is just teaching people like stuff they should already know, like how to cook like well for yourself, how to save money by eating like uh, on a good diet and not eating out so much. Um, And a lot of stuff that people my age didn't necessarily learn because my generation kind of grew up on a lot of fast food and processed food and uh, Mm -hmm. Lunchables were coming out and they were really big. And I just remember having no idea how to eat as a kid and I sort of had to teach myself in college like what to do. Um,
0: But uh, yeah, it's –
1: I think people in general need just better nutritional uh, education and yeah. schools and that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, so. and I, rem- I can remember being in high school and you know, playing high school football and basketball, running track and kind of trying to eat healthy, quote-unquote. So I'd be, you know, bodybuilding.com and buying mm-hmm. these giant tubs of oh, yeah. junk whey protein. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, I remember my lunches would be like turkey sandwiches, mm-hmm. uh, the most seedy breads I can find with mustard. Because I didn't want to put cheese on it because right. has fat in it.
1: Right. <laughs> so it would just... Oh, it sounds exactly
0: like my life. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> so they would be the driest, grossest sandwiches.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I remember, I mean, bodybuilding.com, I, they do a lot of cool things, but they probably have taken so much of my money over the years. <laughs> like, same. I probably have given them so much of my income.
0: Right. <laughs> oh, no, it's yeah, I'm exactly the same way. So, uh, yeah, so this person, right, this hypothetical person where I'm talking mm-hmm. about, They, sure. you know, they've essentially... Gone to their doctor, you know. Now they've, you know, maybe they've got their, you know, elevated cholesterol levels, and they're being told, you know, eat less fat, Mm -hmm. eat more healthy grains, and they're they're going out to Whole Foods, and they've got these, you know, brain fog and autoimmune conditions starting. You know, all the stuff that some of these folks get. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what are some of the solutions? What are the best ways they can kind of start to kind of repair what's going on with them?
1: Yeah. So that would be, man. That's basically every client that comes to me is starting from that position. Um, So. The first thing you'd want to do is basically like unlearn everything you've learned, <laughs> as bad as that sounds. Um, so uh, what I like to tell them as a really simplistic way to think about this is whatever your grandparents were eating, if they were fairly healthy, um, minus the smoking and the drinking, which they didn't necessarily know was so terrible for you back then, do basically whatever they were doing. So lots of vegetables, lots of unprocessed foods, uh, decent amount of protein good amounts of uh, healthy fats and avoid everything else basically. So I'll have them start with like a really general meal plan. That's super simple because it's easier to learn something that's simple than rather than to throw people into this complex, crazy uh, routine. I just basically am like eat three meals a day, have a lot of your meals be vegetables, uh, spinach, kale and broccoli are usually the best three mm-hmm. most nutrient dense, lowest in calories. And Start there. And I have them do that and probably eating like within, if you want to get into like macronutrient ratios, like 100 to 150 grams of carbs. And that takes a mm-hmm. while for them to adjust to because they're usually coming off this super high sugar processed food um, diet. And after they get through like the initial like five or six days where they don't feel that great because they kind of have like the low carb flu they feel incredible and like around i say like day 10, 12 is when they're like wow this is like i feel so much better yeah. i've had people that were like 45 that are like i haven't felt like this since i was like 18 and that sort of thing which is really cool to see so i sort of start there um, and from there it's just a lot of tinkering and compliance work because people are very addicted to food and they don't necessarily realize that until they sort of go to a more nutritious route But I mean, people, I've had people, it's kind of crazy. Like they'll be like, I ate like a whole bag of like chips or like pretzels or I just wanted like carbs so badly and that sort of thing. And people don't realize how addicted to food they are until they sort of really focus on it. So yeah,
0: absolutely. That makes sense. No, no, I'm with you on that. And one of the biggest misnomers, I mean, well, before I get into that one, let me ask you Mm -hmm. about grass-fed butter and uh, Mm -hmm. animal meat, animal fat. Um, and it's got right. a bad rap over the years. You know, What's your thoughts right. on that?
1: Right. So again, that's sort of like an oversimplification of the science, right? So all these studies came out in like the 80s and 90s where like all oh, these fats are bad and you should never eat saturated fat and animal meats. And it's just not true. The problem was that people were looking at Like farm-raised fish and like all these Mm -hmm. grain-fed beef with these steroids and these hormones and all like all the worst (laughs) kinds of stuff that we know now is totally the wrong thing to be eating. Um, But when you take all that stuff away and you just have like a you know a cow that's grass-fed living a healthy life and you're eating that, you're actually doing like one of the best things for your body because of the CLA. Uh, conjugated linoleic acid that's in there and you just uh, feel incredible and you're not getting any of the processed stuff that's become so uh, typical which sadly in the american and other countries diet because it's really cheap and because it's easy for these food companies to make a profit off of it so
0: yeah
1: i get a lot of complaints i'm sure you're familiar with this too that it's Oh, it's more expensive to eat this way in the beginning, and <laughs> right. I'm like, I, you know, basically I go with the Rob Wolf approach. I don't know if people are familiar with Rob; they probably are, but go, go check out Rob's stuff because he's awesome. But um, you know, yeah, it's okay. It's a little bit more expensive up front right now, but you're saving yourself from taking all these medications that are going to be very expensive later yeah. in your life. So it's like preventative rather than reactive medicine. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that. would be my quick take on that. I guess.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and you could save a ton of money. You know, getting spending seven fifty at McDonald's every day and live till forty nine. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And get a heart attack.
1: But um, right. so the deal with McDonald's too. Uh, I hope people will look this up because when I first came across this information, I was truly, I was kind of grossed out to be honest with you. And there's very little that grossed me out at this point, but. Um, if you go in and you look at there's more than one study but there's one in particular that I'm thinking of uh they looked at like 12 different I think it was 12 fast food hamburgers, okay, and they found that, like, nine of them had unknown materials in them, which you don't want to go to a lab and have them not be able to tell you what something is, because they know basically what everything is, so, uh, yeah, nine of the 12 hamburgers had foreign pathogens, I believe is what they refer referred to in the, uh, in the literature, yeah, so it's, and that's, like, the least of your worries, actually, when you start eating fast food on a regular basis, but it, that stuff is, like, I would tell people to like honestly skip a meal if they have to, rather than to eat that eat that stuff. Yeah. Um. If you can't get qu- good quality food, it's really not even worth eating that stuff. Oh. Uh, there's just so many wrong things. Yeah. It's and then they found uh, brain material. There was other th- oh man. I should oh. that study because I don't Please. have it pulled up right now. But it's it's pretty bad. It's, so and that's just one study. So
0: it, that is just so foul. I mean, I <laughs> okay. I can remember a time back in high school when I was maybe 14 years old and I was. Yeah, you know, I had basketball practice and I and I hadn't eaten for hours and I'm like, I gotta mm-hmm. eat something and uh, you right. know, I stop at a no McDonald's and have a burger, and I immediately get sick to my stomach and have a headache. Yep. Like, what yeah. food can do that to you, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's that's not really. I like to call it Frankenfood, right? Which I think yeah. a lot of people are familiar <laughs> with that term now. But it really is. If you look into how they make it and what's being stripped of it, um, so basically all fast food, right, has one thing in common: it has no fiber because they can freeze it, they can ship it, and it doesn't go bad. So um, oh. that's the first thing that's wrong with fast food is like. There's no fiber. That's why you can just eat it and not feel full, even though you just took on, like, 800 calories. That's part of why. Um, So, yeah, I, I, you know, and I I could relate to what you were just saying because I used to play, like, I mean, I played sports year-round as a kid. And, like, I would have played more, but there was no time left. There's no seasons left. So, and I just would eat everything. Like, I would eat, like, you know, McDonald's. I would drink Gatorade. And it really didn't matter so much because, like, my body at that point was, like, able to accept basically anything. And I was working out so much that it, so I was really lucky where it didn't really matter. I didn't get I didn't gain weight or anything like that. But the second I stopped doing that when I got to college and I would still eat that way because I just had no idea, I just gained like I think I gained like five pounds in like two weeks or something. Where I just like immediately started putting on weight and I felt sick all the time and I just like couldn't think clearly. And uh, people aren't even aware of that unfortunately until they really change their diet a little bit. So
0: oh man, yeah. it's amazing how. How poor you can feel and not know it, and really live your life in a fog. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, going on to do a different diet and starting having some more healthy fats can really change that. Now, the biggest, the the funniest part about McDonald's is mm-hmm. the fact to me that the fact that they now list. The amount of calories in all their food, so you can make "quote unquote" a healthy choice when when in line at McDonald's. <laughs> right. So, talk right. talk a little bit about this idea of calories and how ridiculous, you know, why how ridiculously widespread it is, you know, now.
1: Oh, boy. Yeah, so this one I really blame the media for, to be 100% honest with you, because I remember growing up in the 90s, and every single magazine, man or woman oriented, you know, men's health or women's health, it was all about calories, right? It was like low-calorie diets, and and it gave a lot of people severe issues with food. And I see this all the time with clients that I work with, uh, where they have like basically phobias about calories, uh, high-fat, whatever it might be. And it doesn't really matter necessarily how many calories you're taking in within a certain, like, reasonable range. It's more about food quality, right? Mm-hmm. So like I just said, you could eat 1,000 calories in McDonald's and get no nutrients whatsoever and still feel hungry. Whereas if you try to eat a 1,000-calorie almond for breakfast, which is more or less what I eat every day, you're yeah. only going to get to about, like, 700 calories depending on your size, and you're going to feel really really full and you don't want to eat anymore no matter what and you're going to get a ton of nutrients from that so yeah. it's that's what people need to focus on a lot more like i see this all the time people are so obsessed with calories usually because of the media or some misinformation they've gotten and then they totally ignore food quality Whereas if people just focused on food quality, they would be totally fine and probably never think about calories. So, um, you know, and the other thing there, too, is people are very short-sighted these days, right? The attention spans are less, that sort of thing. So they want it now. Like, they want results within, like, five days. And, in fact, I was just asked recently to write an article about losing, like, 10 pounds in a week. And the the editor was very nice where they were like, if this isn't healthy, you don't have to write it. And I I was like, yeah, this is totally a bad idea. Let's not go this route. Because... (laughs) I don't want to be telling people you should lose 10 pounds in a week when it's really not a good idea. Um, so yeah, yeah, real weight loss takes a while and it takes, you know, time and it takes effort, but it's really not that painful. If you do like a 200 calorie deficit from your maintenance and then you just eat really good foods, you're not even going to notice. So, Mm. um, but getting people to that point can be quite a journey depending on where they're coming from. So,
0: (laughs) well, you've heard it and I've heard it. The person that you know, sitting at dinner and says, you know, I'm just going to have, you know, a cherry turnover or, or maybe they're, you know, they, they run through a fast food line and there are excuses. Oh, don't worry. I'm going to the gym later. I'll burn it off. (laughs) Uh, Talk about how overly simplistic that is.
1: Oh man, so we were talking about bodybuilding.com earlier, right? And I have to give them a little bit. I mean, I don't think it was bodybuilding.com specifically. I think it was the forums on bodybuilding.com, which I don't know if people have ever gone there, but it's like quite a journey. You can it's amazing what's on there. Yeah. I've but been there. um oh, I'm sure you're familiar. Uh remember if it fits your macros? I don't know if that's still a thing, but that was a big thing when I was when I was going on there all the time, and basically people would just say you could eat whatever you wanted as long as you had a certain macronutrient ratio and a calorie approach, and that's the other bodybuilding definitely focused on calories. Um, yeah. So, yeah, people need to, to do a little less convenience and a little more uh, research on what they're eating. So yeah. I know it's a little bit more work to make a salad for yourself every day, rather than get like a lean cuisine from the store or like, which believe me, I went to college, I lived off those things. It's fine. I understand. (laughs) But if you just take like five or 10 extra minutes, it's really not much more effort and you're going to feel way better and you're going to be, you know, leaner. You're going to be, have better biomarkers of health. You're going to be happier. Uh, you're going to be able to think faster. So, but that's, like I said, you have to unlearn what you've learned and, like, basically sort of the media and the modern lifestyle is very fast-paced and people skip over a lot of the basics, um, but it is really <laughs> incredible to see people turn their health around and really change their philosophy and, uh, you know, people are so enthusiastic once they feel better and realize that this stuff works and that, you know... I I should have probably been smarter and tried to monetize things more, but I really hate all that stuff. And I'm like, look, it's just like I have nothing to sell you. Like, this is just your own health, like in the long term. So, eating vegetables, unfortunately, it's not really sexy or like really new information, but. It's what works in the long run, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we've kind of we've kind of you know put a lot of the the way people's listening to this. They might have be eating like this, and they might be going, "Okay, thanks for completely destroying my entire <laughs> philosophy on dieting." <laughs> so why we, I, I get that a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we try to rebuild a little bit? What are you know? Take me through a day in the life of Casey, and what you know? What are you eating, and, and what are some things that some little nuggets of information people can take away in terms of diet?
1: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So basically, I start every day, first of all, always eat breakfast. That's one of the best things you can do. Uh, there's a million studies that back that up too. But um, I eat basically as big a meal as I can for breakfast because I'm really busy. So I know the rest of the day it's going to be harder to get uh, a nice long like meal in with a lot of uh, nutrients. So I eat a huge mm-hmm. almond for breakfast basically every day, six or seven eggs. Cook it in coconut oil, uh, drizzle it with extra virgin olive oil when I'm done. It's spinach, it's a uh, little bit of kale, some sweet potatoes, probably a little bit of bacon. Get the highest quality you can find. Don't eat poor quality bacon, it's one mm-hmm. of the worst foods you can eat. And that's my breakfast every day. And I have a hard time finishing it, to be honest with you, um, because it's so big. Yeah. But that's basically more nutrients than most people get in an entire day if you look at the standard American diet, look at the data, <laughs> which is a little bit scary. But, yeah. um, And that leaves me feeling pretty full and good for, like, a long period of time. So sometimes I will skip lunch if I'm really busy and I feel okay. Maybe I'll have, like, a little bit of blueberries, like a handful of blueberries for lunch or something. Uh, Or if I do have lunch, it's usually, like, a a salmon salad or something. So it's, like, kale, a little bit of seaweed, some uh, wild-caught salmon – probably one or two sweet potatoes, um, you know, with extra virgin olive oil or coconut oil. And then for dinner, I, I love as a good steak. So like a grass-fed, <laughs> grass-fed steak, if I can, uh, maybe a potato or two mm. uh, thrown in there. Uh, again, some like broccoli, spinach or kale. It's pretty boring, I guess, day to day, if you were look at the actual foods that I'm eating, but it's really nutrient dense. And, uh, you know, mm. I like like a bacon avocado soup is one of my recipes from the upcoming book I have. That's a really good one. Uh, mm. bacon wrap pumpkin slices are—I love those things. That's like sort of a treat. Um, yeah, it's not too complicated. Some avocados will be in there. Um, that's pretty much it. Like yeah. turkey, ham, as long as they're high quality. So,
0: so you're eating things, you know, really whole foods, veggies. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you're not, you're not, essentially, you're not eating anything that was made in a lab with a lab coat.
1: Absolutely. And as I've gotten busier and had to travel more, I've tried to be very careful about eating on the road because that can really screw you up really quickly as I'm sure you know from playing yes. in the NFL like constant traveling that it's almost like a setup, right? Because like when you go traveling, they give you like the worst possible foods all the time everywhere you go. So like an airport has probably the lowest quality foods I've ever seen an airplane (laughs) same deal um and then like the places you're going when you land or like whatever's around basically which used to be like a denny's or like a wendy's like it was awful as far as uh, choice (laughs) of food so you have to be really careful when you're on the road Uh, i get that question a lot from people that travel it's like how do i stay healthy on the road so epic bar i don't know if people are familiar with them they're a really good brand uh where they have grass-fed beef bars which have like Almost no ingredients beside that, which is great. I eat a lot of those when I'm traveling. It's a little bit pricey, but um, it's honestly worth it because you feel way better. Um, And then you just travel with like almonds and, you know, it's not too difficult. It's just a little bit of planning. So,
0: but, but again, if you're eating those whole foods, you're full longer. That's the biggest jump for most people is, you know, for some reason, you know, maybe it's again, bodybuilding.com or some of the, you know, (laughs) some of the the forums in there, people convincing you that you need to eat every two and a half to three hours. And, you know, you're hitting, you know, maybe your instant oatmeal in the morning. And then, you know, by 11 o'clock you need a snack and then one o'clock you're having lunch and then three o'clock. if you're having almonds and grass-fed beefs and avocado and, and and fiber-dense veggies, you're not that, you're not all that hungry all day.
1: Oh yeah. And there's, oh man, there's so many things I want to touch on just embedded in that, that what you just said. So uh, first of all, remember in the nineties and I guess the early two thousands when you had to eat like every three hours, yes. that was like the big thing. And if you didn't eat every three hours, you're going to you won't be going to be anabolic anymore and all, all this stuff. <laughs> um, Yeah. So That's totally not true. They've looked at that and it doesn't really make much of a difference at all, if any difference. And I found that just myself and working with clients, people get really, really neurotic about food if you're eating every three hours because it's almost like that's the focus of your life, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Because you're constantly thinking about food. You're prepping every three hours these little meals. They have to be a certain ratio. So I've seen people go really far down the rabbit hole on serious problems where they become sort of obsessed with food. Um, So – you don't need to eat every three hours. Let's just dispel that myth right there. Um, and then the biggest change in our diet really over the last 100 years, besides the shifting to like carbs instead of fats – is fiber. So people have taken mm. out like all the fiber in their diet and they basically replaced it with like soda more or less if you look at the data which is kind of scary. Yikes. So just <laughs> just changing that, yeah, like you said, is a huge difference and uh, people don't have to eat very often to really feel full, if they're eating a decent amount of fiber, they're getting a lot of nutrients. Um, and we could go, I don't know how much time we have, but we could go into like leptin, insulin, uh, endocrinology, basically. I'm a huge endocrinology fan. So a yeah. lot of that is how your hormones are reacting to what you're eating.
0: Yeah. And I was uh, that was kind of going to be kind of my segue into that. You know, we've got folks that are probably listening that are not buying this yet. Um, mm-hmm. like let's talk about some of the ramifications of a poor diet and what maybe is already going on in them that they don't know in terms of hormones and then um, even the yeah. diseases, autoimmune conditions, Alzheimer's, dementia.
1: Yeah. So the biggest thing there, and it's really popular in 2015, I guess, um, in the health community is the gut microbiome, right? So everything that you're eating is influencing the bacteria in your gut and what they found is that if you basically have a poor balance of bad bacteria, it's a good bacteria in your gut, it basically causes you to be depressed, it causes you to be a little bit more anxious, it causes you to not think as clearly. You're basically making more poor decisions if you have um, you know, a bad balance of that stuff in your gut. So the best thing you can do for that is eat a good diet, right? And then taking a lot of antibiotics can be a problem because it wipes out everything indiscriminately. They're called broad-spectrum antibiotics, and what Mm -hmm. that means is that it kills everything, even the good stuff. So if you ever have to take that stuff, it's a good idea to take a probiotic afterwards for 60 days, that sort of thing. And then if you're eating a poor diet and – a lot of things can happen, right? So like insulin resistance is the the big hallmark that happens first usually. And then you get leptin resistance. They're still looking at which causes which there, but they usually ha- happen synergistically, meaning they happen at the same time. So if you have leptin resistance, basically your brain can't see the calories that you're eating and you eat more as a result. So that can happen in your brain. So if you're eating like McDonald's every day, that kind of thing, eventually you'll end up eating more And you'll get more sugar in your diet just to feel the same level of what you originally felt. And that's basically how people get type 2 diabetes. Um, So once you have something like that, you get metabolic syndrome, which is a whole other host of problems. And sadly, this has become like the average reference point now is a diseased reference point, meaning the average person in America has these problems. So.
0: Wow, and, yeah. <laughs> it, and they're happening earlier too now. I mean, so like early yeah. onset dementia. I mean, I know folks that are getting dementia in their you know early to mid fifties, and people thought that was just something that came with aging.
1: Yeah, and I'll tell you, oh man, there's so much I want to touch on there. Um, so, first of all, I was looking at very seriously doing a pediatric endocrinology uh, medical doctor degree, and mm-hmm. basically pediatric endocrinology is five- and six-year-old kids that are obese, and which we weren't seeing, like, 50 years ago at all. Like, it was mm-hmm. extremely rare 50 years ago. And now it happens all the time, and if you look at it, it's basically kids in, uh, unfortunately, they call them food deserts, right? So usually, like, urban areas where they don't have enough money to get really good quality food, or there are no, like, grocery stores around. There's only, like, 7-Elevens and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And these kids are living basically off of soda, so these kids that are five and six years old end up being extremely obese, um, and they actually some of them need like liver transplants because they have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Wow. And what that means is basically. I don't want to delve too far into the biochemistry here because I know not everybody is a science major, but if you're, they call it non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, right? So if you drink too much alcohol, you get the same problem. It's called, you know, fatty liver disease from alcohol. Mm -hmm. So fructose basically causes the same problems that alcohol can, except you don't get drunk off of uh, fructose because you don't get the, um, you don't get the neurological effects because it doesn't go to your brain. It just goes straight to your liver and that's what's happening to these kids. So, um, yeah, that can be a huge problem that we're seeing now. And that's why I mentioned soda as being such a big uh, consumption pattern among kids. Um, so that's that's like the worst thing in everybody's diet right now is soda. And if you could just pull that out, you're going to see results just from that. So I actually had a client that was so addicted to soda. She was drinking a two-liter bottle, which is the big bottle of Coke, regular strength Coke per day and she just actually stopped cold turkey, which I told her not to do, but she did it anyway. <laughs> and she just felt incredible. I think she lost 10 pounds in like three weeks just from that. And it, she wow. just like, I never felt like this before. Yeah, I mean, she was taking in, if you do the numbers, like, gosh, I think that's like 200 grams of sugar just from the soda a day, which is way beyond, like 10 times what she should have been taking in. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen this just, you you see it in the data and you see it in the research, but then to deal with it like a face-to-face level is really quite different. So. Um, I've luckily been able to do both, which is really incredible, but it, it can be very depressing to see this on, you know, like actual human beings. So,
0: yeah, it yeah. is, it, it really is. And and there's a lot of people that don't want to help themselves, but at the same time, there are a lot of people that are really just misled and are trying mm-hmm. to do certain things. So they'll go in and they'll get you know, lean pockets or, you know, they'll drink diet okay. Coke yeah. <laughs> and they're still getting fatter, and they're still getting diabetes and one of the one of the things I wrote on recently was that diet the diet Coke idea of the calories and you know coca cola jumping essentially partnering with michelle obama and in their uh her anti obesity campaign, mm-hmm. which is <laughs> really bizarre because now that they have so many they 've taken so many calories off the shelf quote unquote and they've mm-hmm. you know they've got low calorie options, and so those mm-hmm. should be. Those should be healthy. Why is diet soda still causing problems if it's got no calories in it?
1: Oh, man. I've written on this quite a bit, and I would just direct everybody. Don't even read my stuff. I mean, you can read my stuff if you want, but I would just go into Google, right, and type in Yale and diet soda or artificial sweeteners in PubMed, and you'll find this specific study that I'm talking about. But basically, Mm -hmm. they looked at this at Yale in a neurobiology journal, which neurobiology is basically what's going on in your brain, like the biology of your brain, right? And they found that diet soda actually caused you to gain more weight. (laughs) And the reason for that basically is that there's a reward circuit, right? So like you eat, like you drink like a regular soda, okay? You get all the soda, it's really bad for you. Or you get all the sugar, it's really bad for you. But your brain is rewarded, okay? So like the circuit is complete. You get the reward. Diet soda gets you three quarters of the way there through the caffeine and through the artificial sweeteners. And your brain basically responds to the artificial sweeteners like this is really sweet and how does it respond to really sweet things? It wants you to eat more calories, and you don't get the complete circuit. So you actually eat more just to complete the circuit, if that makes sense. Yeah. And uh, there's, a, there's a ton of other bad things about diet soda. And again, you're ignoring food quality. You're only looking at calories, so you're getting all this stuff that's made in a lab. So it's still the same thing. Um, <laughs> so the touch on the Michelle Obama thing, too, it's sort of difficult to completely put that down because she is at least doing something where yeah. she's getting people to focus on food and like vegetable gardens and that sort of thing which i totally support but you have to remember there too that that's still politics that's still economics that's still dealing with lobbyists that's still money and that's unfortunately the food industry basically has co-opted our health right and the mm-hmm. usda is in charge of our food supply and telling us what to eat which is like the fox in charge of the hen house right because the usda is You can look this up as their public mission statement is to sell food, right? So they're not going to tell you that you shouldn't be drinking orange juice every day if it's good for business. So um, it's it's sort of like basically the economy and the lobbyists and the corporations have sort of co-opted our health. And I just wrote on this for Dr. Cordain Uh, on Friday. The article was published and just about how much – money is spent on advertising sugar water to people. So you, whether you want it to be Gatorade, whether you want it to be Coca-Cola, whether you want it to be Pepsi, these companies spend, I believe the total was four hundred thirty. Four hundred thirty-two million dollars just on those three products alone in 2014 that they had spent on advertising. So, you know, the real foods that people should be eating aren't advertised, and that's I wish I could change that. Like that's one of my pet peeves. Like if we could get a lot of money spent on like advertising spinach or kale, especially to kids, Mm -hmm. uh, it would make a huge difference, I think, because kids are you know they're watching TV all the time. And I remember as a kid, I watched cartoons, and guess what was advertised when I watched cartoons? soda uh capri sun like all these sugary you know so that's what i thought i should be eating and uh, it's a real it's a real like i think they should really limit that on a legal grounds like you shouldn't be able to market that stuff to kids as aggressively as they are yeah so um and that's where i think michelle obama maybe could do something and she's not doing it and you know obviously there's
0: reasons for Mm -hmm. that
1: but that was one of the things I really wanted to do, uh, as far as a pediatric endocrinology, just to change the marketing to kids because that's when they develop these habits and uh, they wouldn't be as obese at an early age.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, and, and and I remember watching the Sunny D commercials and uh, the right. yeah. Capri oh, Sun yeah. commercial and the Kool Aid man busting through the door. And, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> and, you know, the, it, what they say is true about you know marketers do ruin everything, and you know, unfortunately, marketers are, you know, they're concerned about the well-being of their company and making money. Um, and well, I shouldn't say all of marketers, but for these big corporations in particular, they're not as concerned with, you know, human flourishing and what's best for uh, the community and people. They're more concerned mm-hmm. with ultimately making making money. And so that, you know, and obviously I don't want to blanket all marketers because that's not true, but <coughs> big ones, certainly these Coca-Colas and, and those, and McDonald's, those big ones, certainly that's the issue. Well, I really hope that we're providing value to people because I think this is fantastic conversation. Um, You know, we're we're coming towards the end of our time, but I really wanted to touch on the paleo diet a little bit. We're kind of coming out of you know out of obviously talking about some of that we've touched on a little bit, but the paleo diet is a you know in my mind a pretty decent starting point for most people. Talk a little bit about that and your experience with paleo.
1: Absolutely. So uh, I would just say, I mean, I do write for the, pound, the founder of the Paleo diet and a number of outlets that have the word Paleo in the title. But to be honest, like, I don't like to label diets anything because as soon as people hear like a name, they're like, oh, that's just going to be a fad or that's the gimmick <laughs> or whatever. And it, they're exactly right in a yeah. sense because honestly, all you need to do to improve your health, right? Get away from processed foods. That's step one. Like, I don't care what you want to call your diet, vegan, vegan, paleo, whatever. If you're (laughs) getting away from processed foods, you're doing something right, okay? Yeah. So then just focus on nutrient density. So I don't care what you call your diet. Like, just get, like, some good quality nutrients in there So because there's good and bad elements to any type of diet, okay? And paleo's gotten a lot of backlash recently and well deserved because like it became so massively popular and you saw all these companies coming out that were like trying to sell you candy and it was basically, you know, it was still candy and they're just calling it paleo, which is a really bad thing <laughs> because I saw I, I saw clients I had that would come in with these questions where they were like, Oh well it says it's paleo though and I'm like looking at the nutrition label and it's like twenty-three grams of sugar and I'm like you know I'm just sort of like smacking myself in the face or i 'm like who's you know it's such a that 's why i don 't like labeling things, but um
0: yeah no that's a good idea too you know. i yeah, I wanted to jump in there for a second it's it's so true because again, marketers have jumped into paleo and now they 'll use i don 't know fifty grams of honey or right. maple <laughs> syrup and it'll be they 'll be loaded with sugar and then they can call it paleo and again. So your advice is sound about just eat solid foods from the earth and avoid processed stuff.
1: Right, exactly. And the, another takeaway there is if it's not marketed to you, it's probably good for you. So like spinach <laughs> and kale and like wild-caught fish, you never see ads for those things. But those are three of the best things that you can be eating. So, <laughs> awesome um, advice. Yeah, I just you know look really look at science, and it's like go to the essential human requirements of what you need to take from food, and just eat those. So essential fats, complete proteins, and uh, a good sort of, like nutrient dense carbs. So like sweet potatoes, um, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. So it, it isn't too complicated, uh, and the paleo approach I think is really good because it basically removes people from sugar and processed foods. It's just that they're being so deeply embedded in the paleo community. I see a lot of uh, a lot of bad stuff too uh, that maybe people aren't as aware of, and it is a little bit nitpicking, but um, I just see people become very passionate about. A certain type of diet, and then two years later it's a different diet, and it's like, no, just focus on like nutrient density, and you're, you're gonna be fine. I know that's not sexy, or like you can't market it, or and I guess that's why people don't move towards it, but um, right. I actually thought Dr. Perlmutter there are some problems with grain brain scientifically, but I think he did a pretty good job of focusing on stuff that people need to be eating and avoiding the stuff that they don't need to be eating. Um, You know, there's other things that he did there to sell a book, but Mm -hmm. um, I had the chance to interview him for that book, and I actually think he has a really good approach because he has people thinking long-term because they're thinking about their brain health and avoiding Alzheimer's, mm-hmm. and he has them focusing on foods that aren't necessarily marketable, but they're very nutrient-dense and they're very healthy for people in the long run. So uh, There's another study you can look up. If I'm, I'm just going to cater to the science nerds, I guess, now. <laughs> uh,
0: awesome.
1: um, just type in New England Journal of Medicine, 2012, uh, Alzheimer's, and you'll find the study that I'm talking about where they looked at uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is your average blood sugar over three to four months. And they found that even pre-diabetic levels, so you don't even have to have diabetes, that could be a, a risk factor for Alzheimer's. So if you had a pretty high hemoglobin A1C but you weren't diabetic, you were actually still at more risk for Alzheimer's. So they're looking at sugar as a causative Uh, mechanism for Alzheimer's. So what causative mechanisms mean in science is like what causes what. So that's ultimately what matters, okay? Mm -hmm. So like none of these correlative studies really show us anything. Um, But if you find something that causes something, that's a really big breakthrough in science. So they basically have found that too much sugar sustained throughout your life causes Alzheimer's. And like you said, at an earlier age, which is why we're seeing, you know, after 40, 50 years of a high-carb diet, we're seeing all these people become you know they have dementia at a very early age and they're becoming mm-hmm. obese at an earlier age and that's basically why mm-hmm. so again you can't oversimplify it to the point where it's like sugar is the reason of all evils but it, that's as close as we could say is that sugar is a pretty big problem um across the board and again that's not any particular i'm like i'm not endorsing a paleo diet or a vegan diet it's like just remove the sugar is a really good advice for people
0: yeah. So, and, yeah. And and most regular people are going to need, you know, one or two practical steps to kind of get started along with that one. You know, what do you think is another step they could take uh, just to get going in the right direction?
1: Right. So there's a couple big things here. Uh, sleep more. That's the first thing I would tell people. <laughs> it's like they have no idea how much they should be sleeping and they're not getting enough sleep. Uh, it's kind of scary, actually. That's one of the scariest things you can look up is how little people are sleeping and how poor quality their sleep is. So most people don't realize this, but you need eight to nine hours of sleep per night. And I'm sorry, but you need to do whatever you need to do. Don't get divorced or fired, as Rob Wolf would say, but try to get eight to nine hours of sleep per night, no matter what else you do. Um, So you also stay leaner because of that. So I wrote this article originally called Sleep Loss and Why It's Making You Fat. I was on the radio for it and blah, blah, blah. But basically, people don't realize how much sleep they need to be getting and they need to prioritize it hugely. Um, And also sleep quality, right? So like avoid blue light before you go to bed, put some blackout shades up in your room, and basically it should be like a cave, is that's sort of the paleo analogy that's used. But you want a deep, like dark bedroom, it's quiet, mm-hmm. and get eight to nine hours of sleep per night. That alone can turn things around for people.
0: Yeah.
1: Um and then walk more, stand up more, drink more water. These sound like really boring, but they actually <laughs> are what's gonna cause you to do really well in the long term. Uh so one particular study also looked at this where they found the people that walked for 45 minutes a day and people that didn't walk, and they followed them for a year, right? People that walked gained 3% new brain tissue from in one year, and the people that didn't walk lost 2% brain tissue. So you expound that over 30 years, right? So say you didn't exercise for 30 years, really. You've just lost around 60% of your brain tissue, which could be, again, a causative mechanism for Alzheimer's. And a lot mm. of the people that get Alzheimer's, I'll tell you, they've looked at this. They're eating a high-sugar diet. They're not exercising, and that alone can do it. So yeah. Um, you know, they haven't figured out completely the Alzheimer's picture yet, the puzzle, but they're starting to put it together, and it's looking exactly like that. Um, and another study at UCLA, they actually had these people basically do a paleo diet and sleep more, and they actually, for the first time ever in history, reversed some of these symptoms from Alzheimer's. Granted, it was in a small scale, but still, they did it, and it was a really breakthrough uh, study that not a lot of people paid attention to. So, those are the those are the big things that people can do right there. So.
0: That's awesome, and I, I think we've this uh, this hour has just provided tons of value for folks. And so, guys, if you want to keep up with Casey, definitely I'll have the links in the show notes. There'll be plenty of information on him. Uh, real quick for those just listening in their car, where can people find you, Casey?
1: Oh, sure, I'm all over the internet, but uh, clean, com has everything in one place for people.
0: Okay. Cool. And any social media uh, at
1: oh yeah, uh, Twitter is eat clean, tea clean. Uh, Facebook is eat clean, train clean. I have uh, six thousand people on there, which is really awesome. cool because I've never spent a dollar on marketing or anything. Yeah. So nice. uh, <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty crazy on there. Um, but yeah, just you can just Google my name too, and you'll find like a million things.
0: So. Cool, cool. Hey, thanks for being on the show. Before you go, I you know X heel is all about uh, performing mentally, physically, and spiritually the best way you possibly can. Um, what are mm-hmm. If you had a giant microphone, you could tell everyone in the world something, two or three things that will help the audience live better lives and get the most out of themselves, what would those be?
1: Okay, yeah, prioritize your health. That's definitely a big one. So mm-hmm. people take their job really seriously. People take uh, relationships really seriously and that sort of thing, and those things are very important, but your health is also really important. So definitely prioritize it more. Um, walk as much as you possibly can <laughs> uh drive as little as possible and mm-hmm. eat really well and exercise a little bit don't overdo it and <laughs> that's basically it that's your secret to life right there so
0: <laughs> yeah and i love it it's short it's simple and it's and that's why you know people are average because they don't do the simple things right i really believe that man and so great advice from you well, K- okay casey thanks for being on the show man i really appreciate you coming on my pleasure thanks yep well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Casey Thaler. He is packed with information and studies. All of the studies will be linked in the show notes. And so if you're on your iPhone and you're up to iOS 9 or whatever you've got, you can scroll into the show notes uh, on the podcast app and click the links, and you can see the studies. If you're on the computer as well or on the xnheelohealth.com website, we've got it all linked there for you. Speaking of the xnheelohealth.com website, If you guys are listening to this information and you're just wondering where to start, definitely head to the website, xNihiloHealth.com. Up at the top, there's a quick start health guide that will give you all the information you need. Just pop your email in there. That'll also help you follow along with XNihilo, see when the next podcasts are dropping, the new blogs are dropping, Um, and when I'm on other blogs and podcasts as well, you'll be able to get that information there. So pop your email in. You'll get a 12-page document giving you some information where to start, um, some some shopping choices, some lists, and what not to eat as well. So if you're just looking for somewhere to start, that's a great place to start. Hey, thanks for listening again. Keep an eye out next Monday for our next show. Appreciate you listening. Now remember, I know you're consuming this info and it's awesome, but try to be a practitioner as well. Make those healthy choices and get going. Thanks.